0: Welcome to The Agents' Angle, the premier podcast bringing you the latest from the football agents industry with me, Peter Paleologus, and me, Jonathan Booker. On this maiden voyage of The Agents' Angle, we'll be initially looking at what brings us here and our aims, objectives and motivations for sitting in front of a microphone and talking about the world of football
1: agents and the agency business. Along with that, we will be bringing you an update on the subject sending the biggest shockwaves through the football agent world for the last eight years, if not more. The new FFAR, or to give it its proper title, the FIFA Football Agents Regulations. All that, coming up on this episode of the Agents Anchor. How are you Jonathan not too bad Peter but I've got to ask straight off why are we here you've been trying to convince me to do this podcast for what must be two years or so and I must admit I've been avoiding it even through lockdown and the clamor to do podcasts I've been avoiding it so what actually brings us here I have. I've been putting
0: pressure on you to join me on an agent's podcast and we're finally here. How did I convince you? Um, I just think the way it's all sort of panned out with the new regulations coming on board, the fee for engagement. But basically, I really wanted, and this is what I try to base this podcast about, is to put an agent's lens on the stories, challenges and business that us agents are involved in. There is no podcast covering the agent perspective exclusively, so... That's why I really wanted to do a podcast and find someone of similar mind. We've both helped a lot of agents. We've both been advisors and mentors. And I think with our insights um, together from England to Australia to different markets, by connecting those markets and those mindsets, yeah, I think there's there's a space for a podcast and I'm glad you. I was able
1: to convince you right at the end there. I think the key reservation for me resonates with that is that, Are people really that interested in the agent's industry, the world of the football agent? That's when it's not sensationalised in the the traditional media channels or even glamorised to an extent. We tend to hear the, the bad sides of the industry, the negativity, the need to blame somebody for a transfer going wrong, for example. It's usually the agent who's the convenient target. And I think the motivation for myself is to raise that awareness, as I do when I talk about it or I write about it in articles, the true goings-on behind the industry. But along with that, I think there's also a, a fuel to me wanting to do this because the industry itself needs improvement by everyone involved, not just the agents we're talking, everybody we're talking, players, coaches, clubs associations federations and fifa themselves so hopefully with with our insights we we can bring a better understanding and and raise the interest of the agents industry and i think a key element of that is obvious well as your agent knowledge but also with your with your legal and and governance and compliance knowledge i think that that helps us raise awareness of what can be done to improve the industry
0: yeah um thank you jonathan for that little plug um yeah my background's probably twofold um which is quite unique in the agent space obviously being a licensed agent and an intermediary and currently got a um just obtained a fifa agents legacy license been a consultant but also um been president and also um general secretary of the australian football agents association Where had dealings with other agent international agent organizations, being ProFA, being the European Football Agents Association. But also what really sort of pushed me to do to push for a podcast is my recent experience at FIFA doing the executive program in football agency, which was the first edition, um, meeting colleagues from around the world, all from different countries, different markets, different leagues different mindsets and temperaments and cultures. Um, And that really said, there's a story to be told here. And based on that, I thought, yeah, we need to push a podcast. For me, I like also helping people. And I think with this, our listeners, with even agents listening in, we're able to um, give insights, give advice, give feedback. I mean, I'm a current FIFA Pro Bono counsel, which assists players and other stakeholders who may have proceedings with FIFA. I believe it's about helping people and that's sort of what this podcast sort of underlies. Recently, I've also been interested in projects besides this podcast. I did a language of football agents, the first lexicon in the world about the football agents language. I had about 80, 90 agents contribute to that. That was a fantastic project because it gave insights of what's going around in different markets. But also, I, like, um, I do like the legal – you mentioned legal and compliance – I'm on the editorial board of Football Legal, the leading international football law journal. And there is a lot of information on the football in- industry. And agents play a big part of that. You, re- you read some of those articles, you see agents are an integral part of the football industry. But also, um, I'm interested in the regulatory space, presenting on that, and yeah, bringing that all together. And this podcast gives us an opportunity for a wider audience, a wider market. To provide listeners and not just agents, fans, aspiring agents, clubs, directors, everyone with better informed insights. And we're really excited about the kind of guests we're going to get on this show, Jonathan. Tell me a little bit about your background.
1: Well, it's probably not quite as colorful as yours, but hopefully, with just over 15 years of experience as a licensed football agent, hopefully, I'll be able to bring something to the podcast from that angle. And even alongside that, I've done agency in different sports. I got into it from a coaching side of things. I reached a point in my coaching that, that couldn't really progress that that much more given my own circumstances. And it, it wasn't a very high level, but it, it was high enough to have a small feature on Match of the Day over here. But, you know, I've undertaken various coaching and scouting qualifications, not to necessarily progress down that career path but to get a better understanding of other participants their involvements and so on and so forth as far as the agents world goes as you mentioned it I was board member at the AFA the Association of Football Agents in England and I was their first general secretary and following on from that I was approached by several agents to look into setting up another representative body and that That panned out as a a founder member and general secretary again of an organisation called SOFIA, Society of Football Intermediaries and Agents. Over periods of time, my knowledge has grown of the industry. My care for the industry has grown, both in terms of the people who are participants in it and seeing it regulated positively and professionally. And that's culminated in being consulted by various bodies, both football, whether it be FIFA and the FA on agent regulatory matters. The UK government invited me to uh, submit information for it. And then you've got the European Commission as well. But most recently, I was asked to actually submit evidence as an expert witness, although the, the word expert doesn't sit comfortably with me, at uh, CAS. The Court of Arbitration for Sport. And that was in relation to the case over the new FIFA football agent regulations. So I think there's a lot of common ground there shared between both of us. But if there was one thing, Peter, that actually brought you to push ahead and do this pod, what would be that one thing?
0: I think that uh, the biggest thing I would say is what's happening in October and leading up to October of this year, and that's, you've mentioned before, the football agent regulations, the FIFA football agent regulations. We were part of the engagement in some degree. It's it's a new regime that's coming in place. It's going to have a big impact on the industry. We know that a lot of agents and possibly a few challenges, legal or otherwise, I think that sort of brought us in a way that now is the time. It's a big change in the agent industry. It's now is the time for a podcast. To discuss agent issues from the agents view, which you know, we hear about agents done this and done that, but really we want to bring agents in the source straight in. And um our involvement with those regulations and engagement, I think was the the final glue that brought us and said, okay, it's time for a podcast. I don't know what your view is, but I think that's the that brought it together.
1: I think it's it's the combination of that and the fact that there's so much uncertainty over what will happen in october if not the time running up and the time after that and like we we're, we're recording this this podcast in in july 2023 and there's several cases going on with regards to the fifa football agents regulations but even in recent weeks i, I think it's safe to say if i had a pound or a dollar for every time somebody asks me what's going on with the FIFA football agent regulations, I would be very happy. I wouldn't be rich, but I'd be happy. But the fact is that there are so many people asking these questions, whether it be managers, club officials, agents, even, dare I say, people within associations and leagues asking similar questions, it demonstrates this this huge uncertainty in the industry and those affected by it. Again, that is the the final motivation for me with committing to do the agents angle. Seeing your motivations and you you, you have driven this. You have brought this this podcast forward. You're very much the driving force behind it. And I think it's important that we try to get the information out to people to raise that awareness because the uncertainty of the situation is is clear for so many people.
0: Indeed. I mean, and also, if I can add something very small, it's also giving agents a voice. And I think sometimes agents haven't been given a voice, and this is also an opportunity to get their insights from the coalface and get their narratives out there of what they're thinking about this new framework. It's a game changer. Everyone's asking about it, and we're here to unpack it on
1: the agent's angle. And with that, Peter, I think it leads us in quite nicely to look more at the FFAR. As we mentioned, it's been probably the biggest upheaval to the football agent's industry for the past eight years since the regulations on working with intermediaries was brought in in 2015. And the FFAR itself... I believe I'm correct in thinking it's probably been talked about and various issues discussed for the past five years we've been waiting for this. But given how vehemently I feel about the FFAR and how provocative I can get on some of it, I think I'll leave it to you to just give everybody a quick overview of the FFAR and what FIFA claim to be their objectives with introducing these new regulations. Yes, I think around about April
0: 2018, there was a big meeting at FIFA with a lot of the super agents, a lot of the agents from very regional confederations who've done a lot of business. And since then, it's been five years where a lot of the agents, been some engagement and FIFA has finally come with the FFAR, which were approved by the FIFA Council last year and are due to come in on the 1st of October, 2023. And we know, I mean, that's obviously subject any adverse litigation outcomes, which will discuss in future episodes but basically we know that there's been exams and a lot of people have passed the exam I think the pass rate was 52% but really what FIFA trying to do here and I, I would say that FIFA would admit that they possibly made a mistake in not maybe deregulating but the intermediary regulation that came in 215 seemed to pretty much not achieve their aim so the aim here is to bring back the, our new football agents framework. Where there's more accountability, there's more professionalism, there's more education, there's more compliance. And really, it's about new mandatory licensing. If I can give a little basic overview, where the FIFA agent license can be personal, indefinite, and it's gonna be on a worldwide basis. So instead of this regional thing we had with intermediaries, we're back to a worldwide business with the FIFA license. The other aim of FIFA and the regulations is continuous professional development. That's important because we're always learning as agents or in any profession. So I think that's quite a positive actually to be able to do courses, to supplement your knowledge and and understand new concepts, ideas, and even regulations. One of the big ones for me, I'm not saying I'm all positive for this, but is the Agents Tribunal. I think that's a free tribunal being set up under these regulations where matters that are international dimension And we'll go into international dimension in a future episode, but it's an agreement where there's an international transaction between countries, players, and any disputes agents can bring to that tribunal if they've got the paperwork and it has an international dimension being an international transfer pretty much or international signing. There's also the change with coaches coming in, players and coaches, the agents agreements that have been set up Designed that agents can deal with both players and coaches, but also in terms of who they can represent. So, we've got probably a segmentation here, I would say, with these regulations. There's pretty much FIFA's got rid of dual representation, with the exception of representing a player and an engaging club, which is the, the club where the player is transferring to. Aim there is to reduce conflicts of interest and facilitate international business. So, that's quite a, a change. And I think there's going to be some challenges around why agents can't represent the selling club or the club releasing the player and the player. So that's a whole discussion itself. But FIFA are adamant that in terms of dealing with conflicts of interest, they only allow a certain type of dual representation. The big one, and you probably know more about this than me, Jonathan, is the caps on the commissions. The caps, as and I don't, I don't need to go through all the detail, but pretty much you know, it's 5% under 200,000 USD, 3% over that, for a player deal. We've got 10% on the club side for representing the selling club. We can have up to six on the other side.
1: But Peter, represent- can I just yes. come in there? Because I'm I'm taking time to listen to all these points. And as you well know, I could probably pick up on each and every point that there is there and ask questions and play devil's advocate as you could. But that as you have rightly said, that's another thing for another podcast. But just coming back to that issue of the cap. This seems to be the biggest area of dispute, and if I'm not mistaken, over the five years of so-called consultation that FIFA, say, they've had with various agents and agents groups, is it not true that they've actually changed the boundaries on those caps to an extent from what was originally proposed?
0: It has, not just in terms of the caps, but the way agents can be remunerated. So obviously, for a lot of agents, the caps, if you just look at the bare figures, Three and 5% representing a player, they're very low, especially in a lot of countries where we've known and we've come across research with the average commission be up to 10, but relatively it's between six and seven. The other thing was, and you mentioned it, Jonathan, they allowed previous versions of the FFAR. You could charge an hourly rate, maybe a lump sum or a retainer, some other forms of remuneration. And they've also been taken away. So it's strictly. A cap environment for football representation services. You do have other services, and that's a whole other podcast. I don't want to go back to that, but mm. we'll explain what the other services are. But you're right. There has been a shift by FIFA.
1: Yeah, I think what we can say is that there's a lot of confusion. We we've already mentioned the confusion on this, and it's it's similar to the state of affairs back in twenty fifteen. I think a lot of the reasons behind the RWWI that were reported via media channels such as the BBC is that FIFA said that a large proportion of transactions and transfers involving agents, and the important thing is here, they were international transfers and transactions, were involving unlicensed agents. And this is the one thing that really sticks with me, is the thought process of FIFA at the time in 2015 to think that the best way to address the problem of unlicensed agents was to abandon the licensing process, abandon the regulations. Now, I've written in articles that I can see some form of reasoning for the path FIFA took with the RWWI, the regulations on working with intermediaries is that they wanted to simplify it. They wanted to give a lot of the responsibility back to the national associations. Now we could talk all day long about whether some national associations are more adept or more equipped to regulate and monitor agents. But this whole process back at the time with the RWWI and FIFA's reasoning behind it, I hasten to add that I've heard FIFA officials more recently say, the re well, claim the reason why the regulations were abandoned in 2015 was not the reason of unlicensed agents. But we'll get to the bottom of that in, in due course. But their objectives there were very, very patchy. And I think we're still struggling eight years on to try and find out what the objectives were. I think it was to keep a little bit of control with minimum responsibility back at that time. But looking ahead with the FIFA football agent regulations, can you just explain to me your take on what FIFA are trying to achieve with these new regs? I, I would say that FIFA, and they've put these in the new regs, their core
0: objectives, and FIFA's looked at the transfer market as a whole, the speculation. The They say they've looked at the agent fees and how... There's been a lot of agent fees, quite big sums. They've also seen very excessive or abusive practices, they say, amongst agents dealing with players. So this time around, FIFA has set out its core objectives. Whether we agree with some of them or not, they have set them out. And some of those, probably the most important ones, is setting a minimum framework or standard for professional and ethical standards for the occupation, they call it a football agent, the profession, we mentioned the commission caps. They think they've put a framework in place that are reasonable fees. One of the major objectives here is about financial and administrative transparency. So, compliance on one side, agents having their paperwork in order and uploading that with FIFA or national associations accordingly. But also down the track, we've heard about the FIFA clearinghouse and putting and controlling those financial transactions um, that may have been opaque earlier under, you mentioned the RWWI. The other thing they're trying to, I suppose, enforce or as as an objective is enhance the contractual stability between players, clubs. They've put a two-year limit on agent contracts between their clients and the agent, being whether it's the player or the coach. With clubs, it's unlimited, but they're looking at putting some sort of marker there that this is the time. And the other thing I would say is there is a, a name for protection for minors, for instance, or people who lack experience. So a focus on protecting those type of stakeholders or participants in the club space, the agent space. That is probably sort of my view of how FIFA has seen this. One good thing is they have put those objectives in the FFAR. They're clear. So based on that, the remit of the regulations, the new regulations, mimic those objectives Jonathan that's in my view
1: yeah this is one of the things for me is that you've said they're very clear and yes they are stated there in the FFAR and we'll no doubt come back to this on a later episode because I'd like to pick it apart and I'd like to look at each point with you and we can discuss it and probably get somebody else in as well to discuss it is that that they've put it down in black and white but there's a lot of subjective terms there there's a lot of what is reasonable, what is excessive. Somebody's, one person's reasonable is another person's excessive and vice versa. And I think that's where a lot of the problems lie. And I think there's a lot of the disputes coming out. Like I can come across with quite a few objections and reservations about the FFAR, but we've only got a limited amount of time. And there's a lot of people who've raised objections tried to negotiate it, tried to reconcile the relationship with FIFA and work towards a very productive relationship. Like you and I have sent various concepts and ideas and feedback on these. Yeah, we have. I
0: mean, we, we sort of, I mean, I was of the view are more in terms of avoiding the caps. You had a more tiered cap system, but more a recommendation basis we caught on um, the same with you Jonathan we put a concept together
1: yeah don't get me wrong i don't disagree with the need for new regulation so like anything is better than what we got introduced within 2015 as i explained with the rwwi but the thing is this has opened up a variety of objections some people are taking a more conciliatory approach to it but we are at a point now where we've got a lot of disputes through legal channels internationally, nationally, and with regards to those disputes? I think you understand the key points that are being brought to dispute and also where we are now with those disputes. Can you just give everybody a brief synopsis of what the key objections are and where the disputes are at this moment in time?
0: The key objections, I would say, is the freedom to contract and the commission caps. And these are reflected in all the disputes all the litigation undertaken by agent associations, they're probably the two. And I mentioned dual representation earlier, but that's about freedom to contract as well and um, the ability to practice the profession. And then we've got the commission caps. Also, there's issues of privacy with the compliance aspects of the FFAR. Agents have to give a lot of information and a lot of that information is financial or personal. So several agents are not happy with that either. But in terms of where it's all at, just briefly, um, Germany is one of the big ones in terms of a market where there was three court cases, I believe, in Marns, Dortmund and Frankfurt. The court in Marns referred the litigation between the dispute to the European Court of Justice. The key one, I would say, was the one in Dortmund. A colleague of mine was involved in that, and I think we'll invite him to come in and talk about that case. But that case in Dortmund, there was an injunction where court suspended the application of the provisions of the FFA in Germany, the FFAR in Germany, such as the fee cap. So the judge in that instance suspended the implementation by the German Football Association, or the DFB as we know it, implementing the FFAR. So, and that's going probably to be appealed by FIFA. The the case in Frankfurt I understand is currently pending.
1: Peter, just coming back on that one. That Dortmund case, that's quite interesting because if there is an injunction in place, and I'm talking hypothetically here, if and the appeal doesn't come through, we're quite possibly looking at in, what is it, two and a half months' time at the time of recording this, on the 1st of October, Germany technically won't be able to implement the FFAR and therefore it's quite reasonable that Germany will have one set of regulations or no regulations compared to other countries, both in Europe and across the world, but also how it will impact on international transfers to and from Germany, because yes, the FFAR can be introduced in other countries, hypothetically, uh, based on the other objections and disputes, but that leaves German agents and those doing business in Germany, both players, clubs, in a huge, huge state of flux. A lot of uncertainty, yeah. I mean, the
0: uncertainty going forward from October. And this is this is the challenge. If there are injunctions, just like the German one, or if there's a delayed decision, for example, a referral to the European Court of Justice, and that decision doesn't come out till after October, there is that uncertainty, I would say. Yes, it's a big concern because... The focus of the FFAR is to facilitate as well international business. And Germany, being a major market, if that's taken off the business cycle or the ability ability to do business under a set of rules, that makes it very difficult. So where are we with the other disputes
1: and challenges to the FFAR?
0: I might leave um, the Court of Arbitration of Sport One last because I know that you're um, involved. There was a, a matter that ProAgent, who is based out of the Netherlands, they're the Agents Association. They drive a lot of the European Football Agents Association work and basically they challenged in the Netherlands. They did not get the injunction. However, they were appealing that decision and that matter could also end up in the European Court of Justice I I believe the KNVB, which is the Dutch Association, is also possibly of the view that they may like Germany, possibly suspend the implementation. So it's a watch in this space. But I think with Germany and the Holland going to the ECG, the European Court of Justice, that decision in that court will probably clarify what happened in those countries. I do want to raise England, where you're from, before we go to Cass, briefly. I understand that for the big super agencies or talent agencies in Be England. very careful with the term super agents. I'll take that back. But um, <laughs> the larger organisations, CAA Base, Wasserman, Stella and Areti, Areti have started, I believe, arbitration proceedings, Rule K proceedings to challenge the Football Association in England's implementation of the FFAR. All I know from anecdotal sources and people have spoken to that that arbitration has been facilitated to be determined quite quickly, which is important because we all, we have to take into account that a lot of people have sat the exam. FIFA came out that 52% have passed that first exam. I know in Australia, a lot more people enrolled for the second exam in September. So there's a lot of people who want to get on with it. So it's good that whether it's the arbitration or the European Court of Justice, and we'll talk about CAS very shortly, Expedite their decisions because people want to get on with business, agents want to get on with business and have some certainty. Now, the other major matter is CAS, the Court of Arbitration of Sport. And I know that's been brought proceedings by PROFAR, um, which was led by Patty Dominguez, I believe that's, Juan that's the the lawyers. Professional
1: Football Agents Association, isn't it?
0: Correct. A term we, to- we talk about now in the agent space, PROFAR, but basically, yes question for you about the CAS hearing, because I, I know the CAS hearing has been heard, I think it went over two days. I think traders will come to decision before the 1st of October. Can you tell me a little bit more about you were involved in the CAS, Jonathan, it, the CAS proceeding, as an expert. Tell us what your view is or where it's
1: at. As I've said, the term expert doesn't sit comfortably with me. I was asked to be an expert witness on behalf of Profa And... Demonstrating respect to the process, because it's still ongoing at the time of recording. I don't want to be disrespectful to Cass and the arbitration panel there. The hearing went on for a day and a half. The interesting thing was the judgment from the Dortmund court was reported on day two. So we are looking at a judgment from Cass... The date I've heard is before the 31st of July. From what was said, they're very keen to expedite it for some certainty across the board. And we just need that certainty. Whether some of the elements of FFAR are going to be rejected, we need to know. FIFA need to make alternative plans. But the fact is time is short in this. As I said earlier, we're looking at the 1st of October. All of this is to be implemented. So two and a half months, we've got people preparing to sit exams. People need to know whether they need to register for exams. But I don't know how you feel things are going to be going forward and what the effects these disputes will have.
0: I think these disputes will shape the final format of the regulations. Personally, I think... I believe that FIFA will probably, the implementation will go ahead, but it may be fractured in a way where certain markets, whether it's Germany or Holland or certain national associations may not implement fully the whole regulations. And we know there's there's always opt-outs. We know with France and Italy, they have their own national regulations, which are very strong and FIFA respects those. So it could be a little bit of a fractured market worldwide. But However, I think the implementation most likely will go ahead from the 1st of October, but there will be a period of teething problems, of agents getting used to what they need to lodge, of how to deal with FIFA requirements, how to implement things in their business. We've got agencies who can act as an agent. It's very strict. It's a personal license. How are agencies going to deal with that when they've got a lot of staff? So there's a lot of um, challenges. The cap will be an interesting one because I think there is... Where the big challenge lies, should Cass or the European Court of Justice, or there's also a case I believe in Belgium, where there's there's this, I think a case that's been run by the Football Forum. Jonathan Barnett and Rafaela Pimenta are part of the Football Forum. They had issued a legal action. I don't know the status of it for FIFA to cease and desist the FFAR before the president of the Dutch-speaking Brussels, Belgium Enterprise Court. That was um media release. But even that
1: matter, we don't know much about. But all these are focused on the caps and the caps will change. I think you're being very, very kind to say it's going to be teething problems because I think even though we have that deadline for the full implementation, because technically we're, we've we already had FFAR implemented partly in the application process to become licensed. And ju- just my own opinion, and if I was a betting man, which I hasten to add I'm not, and that is course, for the FA if they're listening, because I know I'm not allowed to bet on any football-related activity as an agent anyway. I personally think some aspects of FFAR will be upheld. You might agree, might disagree with that. People listening might agree, might disagree with that. I think also some will be rejected. I think the cap will be rejected. And on the licensing requirements, I think that will be revised. There's some questionable areas in the licensing requirements that that do need looking at but i think it's because there's a lot of information that has been held back with regards to the ffar if not some of the documents i would argue actually contradict one another internationally i think we get as you said we're going to end up with a fractured system And this will have knock-on effects to FFAR on international matters, not just domestic matters. And that's my opinion. I know people have varying opinions from speaking to agents and club officials and, and football officials within associations. Everybody has different opinions how this is going to pan out going forward. And I think even the most optimistic people, will have difficulty being positive about what will happen on the 1st of October should we not have a clear and defined decision from the likes of Cass or the ECJ. I think the decision will come from Cass. but even if most of the people accept that decision, which I think the reasonable people involved in this will, I think we're, we're in for some very choppy waters ahead. As though we We couldn't believe the regulations on working intermediaries were bad for the industry. I I think that's going to be it. And I think we're looking at a situation that is currently just one big mess. And it's going to take time to sort out. And as I've said time and time again, time is in short supply on this one. There is. We need decisions, especially
0: in England, because we know how big a market that is, the Rule K arbitration. We need the ECG decision. And we we do need the CAS decision because we forget... It's not just Europe, it's international. Asia, South America, we've got the MLS, we've got Africa, and CASP being an international body called Arbitration of Sport, very, very important decision the way they go. I don't doubt that FIFA are the regulator. They have to be the regulator in the international space. We need a regulator. But another key issue for me is... Should all the regs be upheld or part? There might be, the cap might be an issue or freedom of contract or privacy. The key here is enforcement going forward as well. If we've got a better system and the goal is to have a better system, there must be enforcement. And I think with the intermediaries from 2015, that framework, there was hardly any enforcement. Even before that, when we had licences, there wasn't as much enforcement. I think everyone agrees with that.
1: And to have... Peter, don't don't get me don't get me started on enforcement. You you know how I feel about enforcement and the lack of it in the agent space. And that is why we ended up with the abandon why I believe we ended up with the abandonment in 2015. That FIFA didn't want to take responsibility for the regulation of agents. But then we've got to look back at it and say, well, if you're gonna have regulations, what is the point? If you haven't got effective sanctions, and we've seen it both on an international level from FIFA, we've seen it on a national level from various national associations, some have been better than others in effectively enforcing these regulations. And they can turn around and they can say, well, you know, we we sanctioned this agent for this and that agent for that. Well, the situation was that there's other participants who've got a responsibility in that. There's clubs who've got a responsibility in that. There's players who've got a responsibility in that. But we can have all the regulations in the world. If your sanctions and your enforcement fail, there's no point in having those regulations. Agreed. No, nobody will, res- well, some people will respect them out of their ethics and their morals. But in general, once you fail with enforcement and some people start breaking the rules and the regulations, and I've seen this myself and I've seen some very good agents who, over many, many years who follow the regulations and the attitude has become that because they see other people get away with breaching the regulations, they then end up doing the same activity. Because it comes par for the course, it does. But I think there's, a- and it's, it's not just to thrive; it is to survive for some of these agents. So, I think I can get off my soapbox before I start venting consistently on this subject. We'll read. We'll re- We're not here to vent. We're not here to vent. <laughs> we'll read. we will here, to- we'll We're re- here to talk. it talk down the line. We're here to also
0: present. We're here to prevent the positive contribution, the essential contribution of agents to the big transfer market football business. We do a lot of great work. The FFAR are very important, but we're here here to highlight what agents do, what agents provide. We're we're essential to the market to make the deals, to help the players, to help the coaches, to help the clubs, to help everyone get ahead. And that's what we're sort of focused on. We can talk and dissect. and I know we disagree a little bit about the FFAR, but I will say this. On a final point before we move on, Jonathan, the FFAR with the Agents Tribunal, that's a great inclusion because that's a free service and we're able to take disputes there. So a lot of these issues that we talk about can be dealt with that,
1: but let's yeah, see how I, we go. I, to- I totally agree. You know, I think the one thing that you and I and most people want, most agents want, are effective regulations. We want to see an improvement in the industry. I think we we started off the episode very early on and our motivations in doing this part to encourage that improvement, to encourage to improve the awareness of various aspects of the agents industry. And hopefully we're, we're doing our little bit to move things forward. Agreed. We both agree that the FFAR, no doubt,
0: is a topic that's going to evolve and rumble on for some time. It could be months or days, but there'll be definitely litigation outcomes in the next few months. We'll keep all our listeners updated in future episodes of The Agents' Angle about the FFAR, but also some other very interesting topics. I think in our upcoming podcast episodes, our topics will include fake agents, obviously the litigation and regulation updates, Q&A, which I'm looking forward to with leading agents from around the world. Really looking forward to that. And also agency business trends, what's happening in the agent world what are the business practices, what are the trends. We also have two or three segments on every episode. A quick take segment, for example, where we update agents. Right now, I would like to update everyone, make sure any aspiring agent who needs to take the exam in September, you need to enroll by the 31st of July. Also focus on deal-making trends. So look at one aspect in a contract, for example, a unique player contract clause that agents are starting to use and how that's involved in affecting player contracts and also the agency space. And finally, and one I'm really looking forward to, Jonathan, is the agent news around the world, a roundup where we look at what's happening in the agent's world from different regions and confederations and give that update news to our listeners. Thank you all for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow the agent's angle. And if there are any topics you want covered on the Agent's Angle or have any specific queries or questions, then please don't hesitate to drop the show a line. We'll do our best to facilitate and answer your questions.
1: Bye from me. All the best, folks. Take care of yourselves, and we look forward to speaking to you soon. Take care. Bye. The purpose of the Agents' Angle podcast is to provide news, information and facilitate discussion on regulatory matters, policies, business trends and issues affecting football agents worldwide. The opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and should never be considered legal or professional advice. Furthermore, The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Thank you for listening.